What's going on, everyone? Welcome to Barking for Balance, the podcast where we talk about dogs, but we talk about anything else that's meant to teach, inspire, and entertain. Oh, for those of you that don't know me, I am Pat the Pac-Man, dog behavior and rehabilitation specialist for Pac-Man to the rescue. This is the podcast you want to be on if you want to learn the reality of dogs, if you want a dog that's happy, fulfilled, and well-behaved, if you want to learn how to make your dog happy, fulfilled, and well-behaved, this is the podcast for you. You want a relationship with your dog? This is where you want to learn. You want to learn how to train your dog? This is not the place for you. You want to learn how to train yourself in dog, dog psychology, dog language, dog communication? This is the place to be. Thank you for joining. If you're joining us for the first time, and if you have joined us before, thank you for your support on Barking for Balance. And here we are all over the place. And yes, that's one of the things that happens on Barking for Balance. We speak Sicilian. And uh, that's part of our thing. I love speaking Sicilian. And also, I love sp- talking about food. And I don't know why I always do these podcasts. Quando hai un petito. I always do these podcasts when I'm when I'm starving. I need to eat before I do these. Maybe I'll talk less about food, but I'm oh my my head is always thinking about food. Those are all Sicilian delicacies, by the way. So if you want to know what those are, let me know. And if you know what those are, please let me know which one's your favorite. Because you know, like I said, I'm barking for balance. We talk about dogs and anything else that we're going to talk about. So uh, a couple of topics that, uh, and if you hear Hannibal in the background, he's uh, he's flapping around. He's uh, he's talking. He's in a talkative mood. So um, you may hear him in the background, and maybe I'll shut up a little bit. Yeah, I'll shut up and he'll talk. So he'll do the podcast for uh, for this this episode. So uh, th- this episode, I'm going to talk a little bit about um, homeless people and dogs. Um, I'm also going to tell you how uh, what I recommend when it comes to play biting puppies that are play biting. I think it's a very important topic. There's a lot of misinformation uh, out there, and it's something that uh, is very important to know and uh, how to do that and fix it the right way. But also, why uh, is it happening in the first place? Um, and then we're going to obviously probably dive into a bunch of other things uh, that I'm just going to spur the moment or pop in my head that are based on something and we're going to talk about it. So, uh, that's how it's going to work. And, uh, before we kick that off, make sure that you uh, subscribe to our podcast, Barking for Balance. You do not miss any cool episodes. You subscribe on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon. And of course, if you want to look at the beautiful face of mine on YouTube, so make sure you hit those subscription buttons and uh, don't miss another episode. So let's talk about play biting or homeless people and dogs. Hmm, We're going to talk about both. So let's just flip a coin, imaginary coin. Bam, there we go. Let's talk about homeless people and dogs first. Um, the reason why I wanted to bring that up, I was having this conversation with somebody, uh, happened to be my buddy Jordan, who, by the way, uh, will be surprising us on a a special, as a special guest on one of our Barking for Balance episodes very, very shortly. So not today, but on another episode. So uh, we were having a discussion about homeless people and dogs. And, uh, you know, there's obviously a lot of, 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 uh, of, of mixed feelings on the topic. And so I wanna give you my input um, on the topic as far as, you know, what I think is a good thing when it comes to homeless people and dogs. So obviously these dogs are not homeless dogs. They belong to somebody, even though the person is homeless. Now let's, uh, let's break this up a little bit. When it comes to homeless people, everybody perceives homeless people as being dirty, as being bums, alcoholics, druggies, all that kind of good stuff. That's not the case. Um, some people are just homeless because 
you know, they fell onto hard times. Um, and there's no drugs involved. They're, they're just, you know, financially going through some struggles, um, health wise, whatever caused it. It's not necessarily, um, something that was bad. You know, some people live in their cars. Some people literally live on the streets, do shelters, whatever the case may be. Um, and there's some of these people that truly love their dog so much, they will not give them up. So I respect that tremendously, you know, and, and I understand, um, you know, the dog lover side of it that, you know, we feel bad for the dogs and blah, 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 blah. And maybe, you know, they should find a better home and all that kind of good stuff. You know, when I was, um, you know, during my time as a financial advisor, one of my, um, my idols was Chris Gardner. And for those of you that don't know, uh, Chris Gardner was, um, uh, was, was, uh, was basically the character from the movie, The Pursuit of Happiness. Will Smith actually plays uh, Chris Gardner. And I had no idea about, about Chris Gardner was uh, until I saw the movie. And the reason why I saw the movie was because, you know, I knew it was like this inspirational story. You know, I did this for a living. So any kind of movie that came out that was, that re that was related to that, I always wanted to see. So to make a very long story short, Chris Gardner, um, and also came from the, 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 his book, The Pursuit of Happiness, which if you haven't read it, it's a phenomenal book. Uh, you definitely want to check it out of The Pursuit of Happiness with uh, Chris Gardner, from Chris, Chris Gardner. And the movie, the Chris, Chris, uh, which was the first time that I was, uh, I, 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 uh, I learned about his life, uh, really simple was he was a guy who, you know, was struggling financially. And basically, he ended up becoming homeless, but he came, he became homeless with his son. And when he, um, when he wrote the book, but more importantly, when they made the movie, the one thing that he wanted more than anything was to showcase the fact that he would not leave his son, you know, and so he was, um, he was on the streets and, you know, he, he would go to these shelters and he would go back and forth, but basically he was financially strapped and he ended up being homeless, living on the streets with a son. There's a, there's a scene that is just, it just, if I think about it, I'm going to start crying myself where he's actually in the bathroom of a bus station or train station. And, um, it's a bus station actually. And, um, I think it's in San Francisco and he's, sleeping with his son in the bathroom of a bus station and then when you see it visually it's just heartbreaking and you know he's crying and the whole bit and you know your heart goes out to him and so there's two sides of this whole thing if you all people would say oh you know she should have gotten you know help send this kid somewhere else and you know the fact of the matter is that he chose to um keep his son with him because he felt and I mean, I personally agree with that. He felt that he was the best one to raise his son. I commend that, you know. Um, he fought. He busted his ass. He worked his ass off. Got a job as a stockbroker. And, you know, we fast forward and we, you know, we take it one, you know, number of years later. Guy's a multimillionaire, maybe even a billionaire. I'm not exactly sure. But money's not an issue anymore. And he busted his ass to get there. And so I respect that guy tremendously. And I remember I used to have a picture of him, the real Chris Gardner, you know, on my desk, I used to hang it right on the wall, because I, I felt so uh, inspired by that whole story, not just the fact that he became so rich. Um, because I, you know, as much as back then, yeah, money was like the major, the major um, thing that I was after. But it was more just the inspirational story that I just thought it was amazing. 
So the whole thing with like homeless people and dogs, I have witnessed and seen many homeless dogs, uh, homeless people with dogs. And the one thing that I always tell everybody is it's remarkable how happy, fulfilled and well-behaved these dogs are. But it, it, it's funny to me because they, nobody trained them, you know, they're just calm. I mean, they're, they're, if you see them ever like, you know, a homeless person just pushing their cart and the dog is off leash in the major cities, just walking right next to him or her. Um, they're on the streets, sitting down on the sidewalk. People are walking by with dogs, people off leash, just land by this, their human side. It's a relationship that is so um, solid, but it's also a state of mind that a dog is in that really tells you something, you know, and it's like, again, I was having this discussion about it. And of course, everybody's heart goes out well, the poor dog and this and that and the other thing. And the the the, the thing was that for, it, it became like more of a material thing. So you would think because my opinion was, I don't have a problem with, with a homeless person with their dog, because again, that dog is is calm, that dog is happy, that dog is fine, you know, Yes, they don't have a warm bed to sleep in. They don't have all the fancy toys. They don't have all these great collars. But as long as the dog is not malnourished, as long as the dog is not sick, I don't see a problem with it. And based on what I've I've seen uh, firsthand, those dogs don't have any physical issues and they definitely don't have any psychological issues. <laughs> So the question becomes, why is that the case? You know, I mean, you know, these are people that spend thousands upon thousands of dollars to teach their dogs to walk off leash, to teach their dogs to be calm around people in the city with off leash. I mean, I mean, these homeless people should be dog trainers. So the first thought in my mind when it comes to that is, how is that possible? What are these people doing to quote unquote train these dogs? to be so calm and so well-behaved when so many other people are struggling. And the reason is simple. It's what I practice and preach and preach and preach about all the time. And that is to make sure that you fulfill your dog mentally and physically by providing a work rules and then reward formula. But everybody perceives that the reward component is about having a bed, you know, having toys, all this stuff. And so the challenge that I say is you'd have, you take, you know, you feel bad for this dog. Okay. You take the dog away from the, the homeless person because you feel bad for the dog, but yet this dog is perfect. No problem. You bring this dog into a new home. And now these humans who love their dog, very nice people, you know, caring, sweet, kind, have all good intentions. But all of a sudden this dog that was previously fine, since a problem it, all of a sudden now this dog is developing issues. This dog is anxious. This dog is aggressive. This dog is fearful. This dog is just excited, bouncing off the walls. Now this dog is no longer calm and relaxed and fulfilled. This dog has psychological issues such as the anxiety and the fear and all that kind of stuff. And the first thing that people think about is, well, <laughs> That's because he was homeless and, you know, the, the, all the, the trauma that was created to him and caused by him. And that's this is the aftermath. I don't think so. No, that's not the case. That is not the case. The reason why is because the homeless guy 
basically was treating him as a dog. He was respecting his dogness and he was providing him the primal stuff that a dog requires. You know, all the other things that we did do is overkill. Listen, you know, I provide my dogs all, all I mean, they have three beds. I have two dogs and they have three beds. Just FYI, their beds are state of the art. I think their beds are better than mine. I know let make you me. My we should sleep in their beds. That's how that's how that's how great their beds are. They have tons of toys. They have nine, I'll repeat that, nine containers filled with treats. Nine different treats. Okay. So yes, do they spoil them? To a certain extent, yes. Is it necessary? No. Because if I could provide it, great. But if I couldn't provide it, that's okay too, because our relationship, the love that we have for each other, the love they have for me is based not on that. It's based on what I'm providing them from a mental perspective, from a dog perspective. And from that perspective, it's all about establishing calm state of mind because most people overload their dog with attention. The dog has to be overloaded with attention. We're constantly triggering their excitement. We walk in the door. Hey, buddy, you miss me. Oh, my God, you're so cute. Come here. Let's play. Let's go. And you're overloading that dog with excitement. You're overloading that dog with attention. Now, is there something wrong with that? Of course not. Of course not. That's part of the relationship. But again, it's part of the relationship. You know, so when we talk about balance, Barking for balance. Oh, barking for balance. It's all about balance because that's what life, our life should be about, but it's also what their life is about. So our job is to provide them with balance, which is the work, mental and physical rules, which is directions, boundaries, and limits, and then rewards. But if we overload one more than the other, or we remove one or both or two of the other, everything's out of, out of whack. We're out of balance. Okay. So when a homeless person has a dog, they're just chilling. They give their dog some affection, not overkill. Is that a bad thing? Of course not. You know, it's, it's everything is in proportion. Then they go and they go walk to wherever they have to go. Right. And the dog follows along and then they sit down together and they just hang out. They eat whatever it is that they're doing. That makes a dog happy. I mean, if you think about this logically, right. How many of you guys know of a dog that as soon as you give them a bath or even like whenever, okay they go run around and they roll around in mud, roll around in dirt, right? How many of you know, as literally as soon as you give them a bath, they're out there, they roll around in mud, roll around in dirt. That's what dogs do. And you look at them and like, nobody feels bad. Oh, the dog is so dirty. The dog must be, no, no, the dog is fine. That's, that's what they do. So all the stuff that we provide, is it necessary? No, it's not necessary. But it's something that if we are able to provide it, great. But it doesn't make a difference in their life. It makes a difference in our life because we perceive that as we love our dog even more. Does that make sense? You know, it's uh, it's a very simple situation. And the best way I could explain it is if you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, you know, and somebody else steps in and starts buying them iPhones and jewelry and leather jackets and fancy dinners and all sorts of other shit. Are they going to leave you because this person is buying them and providing something that maybe you can't? Or is that person going to stay with you and say, well, fun, cool over there. Go to hell with all that stuff. Because this person that I'm with now 
even though they're not providing me all that material stuff, hear it? All that material stuff, they make me happy. They fulfill my needs. Now, if you are dealing with one of those girls or boys that likes material things or money, then yeah, that's what they need from you to stay with you because that's what they require. Dogs aren't like that. Dogs don't require material things. They just require to be happy, fulfilled and well-behaved through a calm and firm human. That's it. That's all they require. The love you feel is inside. It's not outside. So if your perception is that, so if your perception is that in order to make someone happy, you have to buy them stuff and provide them stuff, then somebody else is going to come along that's going to provide them more than you can. You're screwed. That's think about it, right? So again, it goes back to if you're in a relationship with somebody and somebody else comes along that's going to provide them the material things, if that stuff is important, to that piece for that person to be happy and fulfilled, then yeah, you're gone. They're they're gone. They're gonna be leaving you and going for that person. But if what's important to them, which for most people is the case, is for them to be happy and for you to fulfill their needs, emotional, mental, spiritual, then they're not going anywhere. Does that make sense? So if you feel that providing toys and beds and all this kind of stuff is necessary for a dog to be happy or to love you, you're fooling yourself. It's not true at all. It's normal to want to give, give, give. It's normal to feel bad. Of course, absolutely. I never feel bad for the dog. And here's what I find interesting. And now I'm going to teach you something about how the world operates nowadays. During these discussions, nobody ever commented about what about the homeless guy? You know, I mean, I understand that, the, again, the perception is, well, you know, he did this to himself. He doesn't need to go get up and go find a job or, you know, you're a druggie, you're an alcoholic. Again, yes, yeah, sometimes that's the case. Most of the time, those are not the people that are going to have a dog with them because shit, what do they give a shit about a dog? Unless that dog is providing them like the attention and people give money. Otherwise, they don't care about that. But the people that actually have the dogs are the ones that are in like a sound state and the dog is reflecting that. Think about it. I mean, Fasenzo, the dog is reflecting the human state. That's just how it works. So when I see a dog that's in a calm, submissive state, I'm thinking that human, even though he doesn't have a house or a car or whatever, he's in a good state. And that is what a dog needs, people. Listen, it boils down to the simple principle that for a dog to be happy, okay, to, for a dog to be fulfilled, it simply boils down to having a human or a pack around them. It doesn't have to be a human. It could be another dog. It could be a cat or whatever. But in this case, it's the human that is in a good state, calm, firm, confident in control, even though he doesn't have a house. Because in America, that's how we perceive a person successful. Well, look at his house. He must be rich. Okay, great. It doesn't mean that he's psychologically sound. It doesn't mean he's happy either. Or she doesn't mean that an individual that has all this stuff doesn't mean that they're happy. You know what I'm saying? doesn't mean that they're fulfilled, but that's how we perceive it. Well, he's got all this money. I mean, think about it. how many rich, spoiled, overloaded people do we know? And they're committing suicide. They're just depressed. Why is that? Think about it. The material stuff doesn't mean anything to us unless we live a life of balance. Understand? 
So again, going back to what I was saying before, when it comes to the situation with um, the dogs, I'm sorry, with the, with the homeless person, nobody ever says anything about, well, how can we help? So we feed them, give them money, clean them up, finding them a job. Nobody cares about that. They care about the dog. Here's the thing, though. If you cared about the dog, you would take care of this, his owner who clearly cares about that dog. That's why he still keeps him around. You know, they have a bond. They're a relationship. They're a family. Why split up that family? You have no, you have no right to do that. You know what I'm saying? That dog is in a good state of mind. And then you bring them to your house and you're thinking you're doing a great job. You're spo spoiling them. Then why do you, so many people that spoil their dogs have dogs with problems? It's not all genetic, guys. It's not all about genetics. It's not all about, you know, uh, trauma. It's not all about past history and all that crap. It's what you are doing in the present or the past. You that created those issues. And sometimes it doesn't mean that you were bad, mean about it. No, not at all. Sometimes it's because you love too much and want to give too much, but you're giving too much, but you're not giving everything. You're giving a portion what you think is necessary, but it's really not everything that's necessary for your dog. Understand? Megabish or megabish? Oh, because at the end of the day, what we should care about more than anything is a dog's state of mind. I mean, think about it. That's more important than anything else. A dog's state of mind for them to be calm and submissive is how we keep them avoid, how we keep them from avoiding aggression, fear, anxiety, nervousness, all the crap that we have a problem with, including what I'm going to talk about in a second, which is the play biting and what causes the play biting. Okay. So nobody ever talks about the homeless guy. Well, how can we help this guy? How can we help him keep his dog? What can we do to help this guy, period? Nobody gives a shit about that. Eh, fuck the homeless guy. Come on. You know, let's look at the whole picture here, people. Let's look at the whole picture. You know, when I think about, again, Chris Garner and having read his book, which obviously is much more details than, um, than, than the movie, and some of it is a lot, you know, extended in different areas. But this guy was, was, did not want to give up his son. And he's sleeping in a freaking bus station bathroom with his little toddler. How many people would do that? That's love, man. That's freaking love. So when you see a person with a homeless person with a dog, they love the dog. But here's the thing, too. You know who else loves? The dog loves that person. That's why with thousands of people walking by them all the time, that dog is standing right next to his human. Think about that for a second. Why is he standing next to his human? Oh, well, I, I know what people are going to say. Well, that's because dogs are loyal. That's because maybe he beats them. That's No, it's because that dog and that human have a bond. They have a relationship. That guy, even though he doesn't have a house or a car, or fancy clothes and Apple watches and, and, and Rolexes and gold chains and, and Gucci. You know what he provides? He provides his dog happiness. He provides his dog calmness. And that dog is happy. That dog's fulfilled. That's why he's just sitting there chilling, calm, and relaxed. And guess what? He's not on medication. That's what people do. They have a dog that's crazy, bouncing off the walls. Oh, my God, this dog is just crazy. I don't know what's wrong with him. It wasn't me. I didn't do anything. No. And everybody's insane. You know what I'm saying? And then we put him on medication. Well, here's a guy. Doesn't have a house. No bed. Sleeps on the ground. His dog is calm. Be well-behaved, fulfilled, off-leash, no medication. Hmm. You know what? 
I would take a, I would take some lessons off of this homeless guy or girl and ask him, how did you do that? Yeah, that's how it works. Spoiling is a great thing, guys, but spoiling is only great if it's in proportion with everything else. If you do everything else as well, spoil your dog's rotten. Like I said, are socks and pepper spoiled? Absolutely. I could provide that. I'm a, I can do it. I choose to do it. Do I have to do it? No. Do they want me to do it? No. Do they need me to do it? No. I choose to do it. Nine freaking containers. Nove. Nove. Contenitore. Nine containers of treats. Toys. Memory foam beds. You know what I'm saying? And nine times out of ten, you know where they're sleeping right now while I'm, I'm shooting this podcast? Socks is right on the ground, right next to me on the side. And you know where Pepper is? Right underneath my desk. You know where their beds are? Over there, over there, and over here. And they're sleeping on the floor. What does that tell you? Nice and calm, nice and relaxed. Argue with it all you want, guys. I care about the brain of the dog. I care about the state of mind of the dog. And if you really cared about that dog as much as you claim or as much as you want to, look at the human. Help the human. Because if you help the human, then that dog goes into a nice home. You don't split up the family and everybody's happy. Fix the source. That's why here at Pac-Man to the Rescue, we train people, not dogs. Because people are the driving force, number one, to save the dog life, save the dog's life physically, but they're also the driving force to make sure that their dog is sound mentally and sound emotionally. So that's why we train people. And this is similar to that. Granted, we're not training this person on how to do, how to be with their dog because this guy already knows he's instinctual about it, you know? So let's help him get on his feet. Let's help him get a job. Let's clean himself up. You know what I'm saying? Get into a house, an apartment, something small, like Chris Gardner did. Small apartment, grew it bigger. Now he probably lives in like a goddamn Loki dude now. He probably has like eight castles, that guy. You know what I'm saying? But he busted his ass and he came from nothing and he remembers that. He took care of his son, man. He didn't abandon him, son, his son. He took care of him. He fed his ass. He cleaned him up. I don't know. This is my opinion. So when I see a homeless person with a dog, Nobody cares about the homeless guy. They don't feel bad for the homeless guy, but they care. They feel bad for the, for the dog. And here's the dog just chilling on the ground, calm, relaxed. Why do you feel bad for that? That dog is mentally and emotionally in healthy condition. More than most people that have mansions and all that crap. Not just the dogs, but the people too are mentally and emotionally messed up. So anyway, that's just my two cents on it. Love to hear your feedback on that. And, uh, you know, that's sometimes that that happens to people, unfortunately, when it comes to, you know, um, falling on hard times. And again, going back to Chris Gardner, like, you know, sometimes, you know, people fall on hard times and then they just come back. And there's uh, um, there, there's an old saying that is, um, you know, sometimes you get you go have to go through a minor setback. But you come out, uh, how is it? Uh, you, you, you have to go, you go through a minor setback that sets you up for a major comeback. You know, you go through a minor setback that sets you up for a major comeback. I mean, that's kind of like how life works. And um, again, Chris Gardner is, you know, perfect example of that, you know, went through some tough times and, 
now major, major comeback. And I mean, that's a lesson that we could learn in, in our own lives is that sometimes when we go through some setbacks, whatever the case may be with them, they're opportunities. They're, they're just, you know, when we look at it, you know, this is a tough time. This is a setback, but you know what? It's setting us up for a major comeback. And, and um, maybe that's the, the way that we could help some of these, these homeless people with their dogs is not by taking their dogs away. That's just going to screw up them, but it's also going to screw up the dogs too. You know, dogs are happy. Leave them together. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, the dogs, the, the dog is in a good, in a good state of mind. That's what I care about. I care about the dog's state of mind more than anything, because quite frankly, if you think about this logically, that's really what happiness is about. That's what life is. The pursuit of happiness is such a great title because it's about happiness. I mean, everything in life is not about stuff. It's about happiness. Now, again, to some people, the gold diggers, that's what matters to them is the stuff. But Feel like the dog, all of the stuff. That's that. That's what they want. That's why they hang out with people that are that's say that just spoil them, rotten and bite them, shit, this and that, and the other thing. That's not a long-lasting situation. It's really not. Happiness is mental. Happiness is in the head. It it it's it's achieved by dogs who don't have anything, not even a house, and they're nice and calm and relaxed. We should learn from that because at the end of the day. Is there anything better than just being in a state of mind when you're nice and calm and relaxed and you have no worries at all? You know, that's why we go on vacations. We lie on the beach, we lie on a chair and we're just not a worry in the world. You know, then we come back to the real world and all the worries come back. But anyway, so yeah, let's help the people, homeless people, whatever the case may be. Let's, you know, let's help those people get back on their feet. So this way we don't have to split the dogs up and don't feel bad for the dogs. Feel bad for the human. You know, human is probably like, shit, I, I, I want to I be in a house. The dog's like, yeah, whatever. I like being outdoors. Think about it. How many dogs love being outdoors more than being indoors? So, you know what I mean? Anyway, you see, I'm at open, you know, that's my opinion on the whole matter. Hey, you know, that's that's the situation there. So anyway, um, but yeah, you know, minor setback for major comeback, guys. And I mean, I learned the lessons when I was going to, uh, to church. You know, I talk about God all the time, and that's how I... Uh, I see these things. I see how God sometimes um, doesn't necessarily create these setbacks. It's just part of life, you know, but he helps us ride through these setbacks, which eventually, like I said, become major comebacks in whatever the situation is. And, uh, you know, growing up Catholic, you know, Italian, you know, and um, there was a time when I actually speaking of church, actually, there was a little bit of funny story here really quick, but um when I was going, I I went to, I used to go to church, you know, every Sunday, uh, when in 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 uh in a while back, and um, now I'm not really into the like the whole religious um mass type stuff. I, I I'm more spiritual. I talk to God like I talk to like a normal person and thank Him every single day. We talk multiple times a day. But uh, at one point, I was heavily involved in the Catholic organization. You know, going to church every Sunday. I was involved in in a lot of 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 church groups. Um. You know, and so when when I was going through some stuff, I met um, one of my one of, one of the security guards at the, at the at the office building that I was working at. That's where I discovered the principles of faith and patience, and I talk about that on a previous podcast. Um, if you want to know more, please let me know, and we'll we'll go more in depth about faith and patience. So, um, and his, his his he was he was a guy who um, was heavily into the spiritual world, you know, about his church and whatever, whatever, and so. 
you know, because he became kind of like my spiritual advisor and he was helping me through this difficult period, I went to, I started going to his church and it, it was a weird, it was at first it was cool because the, when it was going to his church, it was smaller congregation. Um, it was more like a support group than anything else. You know, we sat around, talked about our life, our problems, whatever, use the Bible to guide us through it. I, I felt good about it. It felt like I'd be talking to friends and, you know, it wasn't like a, like a religious Catholic mass, which was very robotic, you know, very um, systematic. It really didn't like, it didn't really communicate any kind of um, messages, you know what I mean? So it was more like an obligation more than anything else. So this was different. This was more like we're just hanging out with some people and just chit-chatting. And um, then he moved to a different church, a much larger church. And that congregation ended up being that, that system, that setup was a little bit different than what I was used to. So there was a couple of things that kind of freaked me out. The first one was uh, when people would start talking in tongues. Uh, and it was really weird. And all of a sudden, like the first time it happened was like a lady that was like right next to me to my right hand side. And she just started, and, you know, and I don't mean any disrespect by that, but I thought she was having, I thought she was like pissed off about something. She was having like a stroke or whatever. I don't know. She would just freak me out. So just bring her like all hands in the air, moving around. like So yeah, she scared the shit out of me and then another time was when the 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 minister whatever he was priest whatever um he would put his hand on people's foreheads and they would just like start convulsing and just shaking around and would just dive on the floor and they'd be like having like strokes and seizures and shit and i'm like i thought he was gonna like do the same like voodoo shit to me and um, when he did it to me, he touched my head, nothing actually happened. So I'm not sure, but this stuff was just like really freaky and people like running around. It was just, it was just really, it just became really, really, really weird. And so I kind of like, that's, that's when actually I stopped with any kind of formal, um, church mass type deals. And that was it because me, it's again, if I should have no thought anyway, so just a little bit of information, like I said, barking for balance, we talk about anything. So that's what happens. Um, but yeah, so so going on to the topic of play biting and how we're going to address that. So here's the thing. Before I get into that, make sure you subscribe. Just throw that in there once in a while. Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google, Amazon, and YouTube. Hit those subscribe buttons, guys. Don't miss Barking for Balance. I am Pat the Pac-Man. Make sure you hit them. Anyway, play biting. So first and foremost, there's a myth. People think that uh, play biting happens because a dog is teething. No. The reason why play buddy, the reason why a, a, a puppy, we're talking about puppies. This is all puppy related. So puppies are play, are biting you for two reasons. Number one is because that's what dogs do, right? They use their mouth to, to, to do it. That's why we buy these fancy toys, right? They chew for, the, for their whole lives. They use their mouth their whole lives. So our job is to teach them what they can chew and what they can chew. That's why they'll chew on shoes. They'll chew on pillows. They'll chew on furniture. That's what dogs do. But we have to teach them this is acceptable and this is not acceptable. Because at the end of the day, if you think about this logically, everything we buy them toy-wise is made out of the same stuff that's just everyday things. Pillows, cell phones, remote controls. It's all the same material as their toys. It's all plastic and cloth. And it's all the same shit. So if, if you don't, we have to teach them what is acceptable to chew on and what is not. And human skin, human you know, body parts, it's not acceptable. So our job is to teach them what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. The other part of it is why are they play biting? And the reason is simple. They're excited. You know, 
You've heard me say this a million times. And if you haven't, well, this is the first time. Excitement is the root of all evil because every single problem under the sun, or at least 99% of them, stem from excitement. And that's the problem, what we were talking about before, that people trigger all this excitement thinking that they're doing the right thing, and then dogs become whatever it is that they become. But it all stems from the excitement factor. So when, when we have a puppy who is in the learning stage, you know, growing, whatever the case may be, that's what we're doing is we have to understand that the excitement level has to be controlled. Now, I have weighed ways on how we could deal with the excitement levels. Uh, and if you would like to know more about that, let me know and how to raise a perfect, perfect puppy and the systems and all that kind of stuff. Please let me know. And we could talk about that more in depth on a separate podcast. Uh, we also have some videos on YouTube if you're curious about that as well. But as far as like the play biting itself, there's a lot of myths of what to do, you know, and I'm just going to go into like a few of them. Just, 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 just for the hell of it. This is the dog training crap that I always talk about. Number one, it says when a play, when a puppy uh, bites you, just yelp, scream, holler, whatever the hell these people are saying, what they're exactly basically just scream. Okay. That is absurd because yes, it'll stop them for a second, but they're going to look at it like, Hmm, this is fun because you're showing them that you're weak. You're showing them that it's working. You're showing them that it has an impact. So that stuff does not work. And it may work for a second, like the, 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 the cans of coins and all that crap that people use that people are Googling. And this is what's what dog trainers are teaching. It doesn't work. It'll work for a second. Maybe it'll work for a little bit, but it won't work permanently. Trust me. Okay. So don't do the yelping. No. The other thing that is, that is, and this is the real one that really aggravates me, is they'll say, when your dog bites you, you give him a toy and you say, here, Fluffy, you could chew on this instead. Oh, Ben Damage. No, what you just did by doing so is you just rewarded your dog from biting you. You just said to your dog, thank you for biting me. Here's a toy. Okay, that's what you did. So understanding the do's and the, the, the why, understanding the what not to do's. So what do you do? Here's what I like to do. It's very simple, is you have to capture the moment that the dog is doing something different or something that you want to change. So in other words, dogs, dogs, uh, dogs um, associate behaviors or activities with the state of mind that they're in at that moment. Therefore, if they're biting you, and let's say you're playing or you're petting them, because this is what happens. You're giving your dog affection, you're petting them, or you're roughhousing, you're playing with them, whatever the case may be. And then all of a sudden they start biting you. That's because you escalated the excitement level. So let's just say you're playing and you're roughhousing and you're roughhousing. And then what you do is you just stop. You stop. You're petting, you stop. Okay. So now your dog's going to be like, what the hell? I thought you wanted me to be excited. That's what you were saying. No, no, no. Okay. And now they calm down. Now the split second that they calm down, that they calm down, guess what you do? You go right back to petting or you go right back to playing. Okay. And you're petting and you're playing. Now the key to this whole thing is you have to control the escalation. The reason why is because if they're playing with you and the escalation's climbing as soon as at some point they're going to explode and now they're biting. So what most of the time happens, if even if you apply this and you stop petting or playing, they're still coming at you because the intensity is just too high. Okay. So you have to stop petting or playing at this first signs of excitement as soon as it starts to escalate. So this way it's easier for it to come down. Make sense? Megabish or megabish. Oh, 
So as soon as you start to see the excitement climbing, you shut it down, right? So you're roughhousing, you're playing, you're playing it, not biting, boom. As soon as you feel those, that, those teeth hit the skin, bam, you stop. So you're taking away their reward. You're taking away what it is that they want, which is the affection or the playing. So now if your timing is right, that as soon as you feel those teeth on your skin, you stop. And then as soon as they calm down for a split second, you resume. If you're consistent with it and you're also timing it perfectly, the brain of a dog is going to start to say, mm, what I'm, what's happening that here we're playing and you're petting me and then you're stopping. But then over here, you're petting again and we're playing again. Like what, what, why is that? What's the difference? What's going on? And the brain is working. The brain is processing. And if you recall what we were talking about before the work rules and then reward formula, that my friends is the formula. You see how it works? Something so simple as play biting work rules and then reward all in one. So the brain is working. The brain is thinking. And so that means that they're also draining energy. Wait, como funciona draining energy because mental activity is just as good as physical. So they're draining energy, they're working, right? And then you're teaching them the rules, which is if you want to play or give a get affection, you have to not have your teeth on me, right? That's how you teach the rules. And then the reward is what? Affection, attention, or whatever it is. Okay. That makes sense. So the brain is working. The rule is don't bite me. The reward is play or affection. Magic formula. Ah, vede como funciona. Ascolt, I told you, if you want to learn how to have a relationship, if you want to learn how to have a dog that's happy, fulfilled, and well-behaved, barking for balance is the way to know about it. Pat the pack, man. That's how it works. You see what I'm saying? Okay. Not complicated, right? It's not a complicated at all. It's reality. It's how dogs do it. Simple. Okay. So that's how it works. You're petting, you're playing, you're playing, you're roughhousing, you feel the teeth on the skin, bam, you stop. Calm down, dog. Bam, we go right back there. Well, well, that's enough. And that's the repetition of it. So now the dog's going to process. Oh, so if I want you to pet me, if I want you to play, then all I have to do is just be calm. I just have to keep my teeth off of you. Absolutely. That's how it works. Does that mean that you can't get that excitement all going? Of course you can. But you have to understand where that excitement's going to lead. Okay. So your job is to control it. So I always say that excitement's like a light switch with a dimmer on it. You turn it on or off, you control the intensity. And that's what we're describing right here. Fasenso, megabisho, megabisho. Oh, that's important. So something as simple as play biting, that's how it works. All this doesn't work. That is how you do it. It's very simple. Not complicated at all. So if you have any questions on that, please let me know. I would love to hear uh, your input because I know that I have taught these techniques to many people and it's worked. Even the ones that were like using the treats and all the other stuff and the intensity is really high. You know, it's really simple. And you have to remember, what do I always tell you? You got to learn to be calm because sometimes while you're teaching, it's easy for us to lose our patience, but that shows your dog that you can't be trusted. You know, you're, you, you quit too easily. You get frustrated too quickly, you know? Calm, 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 consistent across the board. No matter what's going on around you, your dog is going to trust and respect you with no problems. Then you have a dog that's happy, fulfilled, and well-behaved. That's the magic formula. You know what I'm saying? That's what we want. Not a well-trained dog. Every dog's well-trained. I mean, tell me one dog that's been put down or sent back because they didn't know how to sit, stay, or lay down. You understand? 
the state of mind is key. Let's focus on the brain, not the body. Okay. Cause that's what people do. You're biting, they're biting the butt. Sit, sit, sit. Okay. Here's a cookie. Okay. And then the dog's like, Oh, okay. That's cool. That means you want me to bite you. You know, that's the facts. Anyway, uh, dog training crap. Dog training crap. Anyway. All right. So any questions on that, please let me know. I would love to hear some feedback and I want you to try those techniques out. And let me know what you uh, what your experience is, and then get back to me on that. And uh, I think that's it for today, guys. I'm getting hungry. I'm always hungry. I don't understand. I have like a tapeworm. I'm always hungry. But I'm Italian, so I guess that comes with the territory, right? So anyway, so hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Barking for Balance. Make sure you subscribe to those platforms so you never miss out. Any topics you want me to cover, anything you want to know, I'm here. That's Barking for Balance. I am Pat the Pac-Man. Guys, hope you enjoyed this episode. Catch you guys next time. Peace out. <laughs>